This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and uh, we are back here to look back uh, at the Sunday action in the NFL in Week 2, and my goodness, I don't even know what to say, Dylan. That was one of the craziest Sundays from an injury standpoint, and a lot of people talked about this, but it was one of the craziest Sundays when it comes to injuries I think I've ever seen like when it comes to and you know it's not just for us which we're we're working and stuff during the games and we're trying to keep up with everything but man there were it was like one right after the other and it just never stopped and of course now we're recording this on Monday we've had all the you know MRIs and everything that have come back on these injured players and you've got torn ACLs torn Achilles you know bad sprains severe rotator cuff strains with Drew Locke like it's just Man, there are so many injuries, and I, I've heard people talking about is the reason why because there wasn't a preseason, stuff like that. I don't know, mm-hmm. but any way you slice it, like this was just a brutal, brutal Sunday. Yeah, I feel like a lot would have uh, more of that would have been made out as the narrative if this happened week one because there were kind of it was crazy. And you go back to week one now, looking back with all the injuries this week, there were so few in comparison, and it yeah. felt like all right, everything's actually working out pretty well. So I don't know if that's the reason. There's talk of some teams that haven't had as many injuries. I've seen people like kind of speculating, oh, these teams that have had less traditionally were teams in the past that didn't uh, you know, have, have their starters play as many preseason games and use less contact and are kind of used to this anyway. I, it's hard. Like, how are you going to know any of that? I just know that it is disappointing, not just for, uh, you know, teams and fantasy owners, but mostly for all these individuals that, yeah, I mean, there's always injuries week to week, but the amount of serious injuries and guys are out either for the season or out for multiple weeks, it's pretty nuts. I thought, I was hoping in that amazing Sunday night game that we're going to get to shortly that we we're actually going to, you know, avoid injuries in that one. And then, of course, the Bruce Irvin yeah. injury happens. And just, like, just when you think that everything's uh, going to work yeah. out in that one. But, man, yeah, in the early slot especially, when there were 10 games on at once, it just felt like, uh, you know, obviously, like you're saying, for us covering it, but just anyone, like, nonstop. It was, it was just red zone was like, oh, here's this touchdown, but wait, let's go to this game because this injury happened and this and that. It was it was hard to keep up with, it, quite frankly. Yep, it was for sure. And uh, you know, talk about the magnitude of fantasy football and kind of what it's become. Man, you think about all these players and, you know, obviously fans of the individual teams themselves are all looking at this like, oh, my goodness, look at our team. But, like, fantasy, mm-hmm. you, you see all the comments about people talking about fantasy football. That kind of shows you um, how, how big fantasy football is now because when you have all these star players go out, uh, we know there's lots of money on the line on this stuff, and it's just, boy, it's insane. And it mm-hmm. was. It was insane. Uh, with the number of injuries and uh, what we will do is uh, what we continue to do here. We'll look back 
at uh, the picks we made, and uh, we'll go through in each individual category. Of course, we had our games of the week, betting locks, upsets, and then our quick picks. Uh, we'll do that same order and go through these games and talk about uh, what the biggest takeaways were, which, uh, as you can probably already guess, uh, no spoiler needed, uh, a lot of entries. But uh, we start with uh, the game of the week, which we both picked was going to be the Patriots and the Seahawks, and I think we're going to give ourselves <laughs> – um, a victory in that column uh, because we did do a pretty good job, I think, of picking that one. Although there were several others, I think you could put, you know, that Chiefs Chargers game was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some other games probably, I think, about, of course, Cowboys Falcons was insane. Even Titans Jags was pretty good. Um, I guess Browns and Bengals wound up being a lot better than it should have been. Uh, but uh, I think that one, you know, the, the Sunday night game, two teams that uh, certainly. Uh, clearly uh, look like playoff teams at this point. Uh, the Seahawks get a 35-30 to win against the Patriots. And uh, this was one where, man, Russell Wilson, we've always talked about it. It's just like this guy just somehow, I, I don't even know, like he can't possibly be flying under the radar anymore and not be seen <laughs> as a as a MVP-type player. But uh, this just kind of showed you what he's capable of. And then, of course, you saw on the other side um, Cam Newton and, and the Patriots offense seem to find a little – a bit of, uh, I don't know, some some stuff they can certainly take away from mm-hmm. this game and use here moving forward. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to talk about a, a loss being a good loss, but, I mean, the Patriots, I think, pretty much showed that, that they could certainly, you know, still be a team that's going to win a lot of games uh, in a game like that against a really, really good team in the Seahawks. Yeah, I think last week after that Patriots game, we're like, all right, they're going to be pretty good. The offense is going to yeah. be solid with Cam, but it did not display this level of explosiveness. I don't know if... Uh, obviously against Miami, maybe they didn't feel like they had to do so. Or again, in this game, obviously with Russell Wilson being allowed to cook once again, you see what that Seahawks offense can become. It was pretty impressive, even with injuries along the offensive line, they just kept rolling. Uh, I mean, all the DK Metcalf doubters from the last couple of years, again with that uh, amazing touchdown uh, on the long pass over Stephon Gilmore, just out physical them. So, yeah, for Russell Wilson, I think, yeah, deservedly right in that MVP conversation at this point. Really impressive to see, you know, after the Falcons game where you're expecting them to, to light up that, that secondary. To go and do it against the Patriots was really impressive to respond after the pick six early in the game as well. But I think still the story at the end of the day for me uh, has to be Cam Newton just playing at a level that, I mean, that we, even the last couple of years, even when the, when the Panthers were 6-2 and two to start the 2018 season, we did not see him throwing the ball around the field as deep down the field as accurately as he did. He really only had two bad throws. One of them gets intercepted. One should have been a pick six. But overall, I thought he just played so insanely well. And it has to be a little frightening for uh, the rest of the AFC to just see how uh, high-powered this offense looked, how Cam made some of these guys that did not look good, some of these skill position plays last year. Uh, uh, some of their receivers and Keel Harry really showing up well. I mean, we saw obviously Jacoby Myers at certain points last year look good, but uh, Edelman even looked like a deep threat. It was crazy uh, watching that game. And I, um, obviously Seattle holds on for the win, but uh, almost from their end, I mean, maybe you're, I don't know how much you attribute it to how strong this uh, Patriots offense actually has the potential to be and how much you attribute it to the Seahawks, maybe and, and with Bruce Irvin again going down with his torn ACL. I mean, Seattle right now, their offense is <laughs> got to be one of the best in the NFL. It has the number one passing DVOA through two weeks very early on, obviously, with that stat. But their defense all the way down to 23rd and 28th in secondary. I mean, it's it's not surprising, and it's going to be a problem. They're going to have to continue letting Russ cook uh, to contend. Um, and obviously, they're playing a really tough division. The Patriots, man, I honestly, at this point, I, it's obviously just all comes down to how healthy the camp stays. But, it's funny, even after last week, there was like, you know, I'd listen to some things and people are saying, oh, they're just doing this with Cam and they're riding out as long as they can before putting Sidham in. If they, I just, no. Like, no. <laughs> it's not like this. Come dude, on. Dude, the, the guy looked so insanely good. He looked like uh, he's something we haven't seen from him in years. Um, uh, obviously, he performed really fan, uh, well in fantasy for me against you in our matchup <laughs> there. But just overall, man, I mean, Cam, if. Uh, my gosh, like, yeah. talk about, like, that was the whole thing on Twitter. It was like, you know, if your NFL team didn't take this guy in, like, what were they doing? Like, every owner should be talking to their GM, being like, we could have had this guy with basically hardly any guarantee money at all, and it just didn't happen. So many teams, like the Bears in particular, obviously stick out with signing Foles over him, and we haven't seen Foles play yet. And, who, you know, with Mitch Trubisky being 2-0, maybe that's a good thing for them. <laughs> but 
I don't know, man. I just can look insanely good, and that's the biggest thing that I, after watching that, I'm, I'm, if you're an AFC team, I'm afraid of what the Patriots might be able to do this year. Yep. Dylan had to throw in uh, the fantasy matchup this week in the Clutch Points League here, as uh, unless Josh Jacobs, uh, for me, uh, here on, on Monday Night Football, uh, pulls an Al Bundy and goes for uh, four touchdowns at, at Paul Kai there, I don't think I'm going to be able to, to pick up the win against Dylan. Uh, he had Cam, and uh, he, yeah, that was uh, quite a performance from Dylan, so I'll give him credit for that. But uh, it was also, as we said, quite a performance from the Seahawks and the Patriots. Uh, both those teams going to be pretty good. I think uh, here we are in week two, and I would say right now, uh, Patriots probably the best team uh, in the AFC East. So sorry to the Buffalo Bills, but we'll get to them <laughs> here in just a minute. All right, our betting locks of the week. And uh, maybe this was a bad idea on my part, because apparently me picking the Jets, or me picking the 49ers, to be mm-hmm. uh, the betting lock of the week, which they were able to capitalize on. They were seven-point favorites in the game at the Jets, and they win 31-13. to 13. But in the process, uh, they seemingly lose uh, pretty much uh, the majority of their star players. Uh, Nick Bosa, uh, torn ACL, it seems. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo seems like his not as serious as mm-hmm. initially feared. He has a chance to play against the Giants in week three. Tevin Coleman going to be out multiple weeks. Reem Moster's got an injury. Whew. Boy, the 49ers, the team that, and you just said it, Dylan, we talked about the Seahawks. That division, we are looking more and more at a division where I would love to see all four of these teams find a way to get in uh, (laughs) because I think all four of them to this point have looked pretty good. Uh, But uh, Mm -hmm. at the same time, there's really not a lot to cover here on the Jets, but uh, for the 49ers, boy, they were the team hit the hardest when you talk about injuries uh, on Sunday. Yeah, hopefully for their sake, uh, most starts won't be as serious. They said it was a mild sprain of MCL, so depending on the MRI, he could be back sooner. But, yeah, man, I mean, you're not going to be able to replace a guy like Nick Bosa and their defensive line, Uh, obviously injuries in the secondary as well. It's just, man, uh, like you win the game, but you're probably going to win the game no matter who who they really played against the Jets. Outside of Makai Becton, you've probably seen – some, some of you out there listening, you've probably seen some of the highlights of him pancaking people the last couple of weeks. He's been a, a nice bright spot for the Jets, but probably the only bright spot um, <laughs> just yeah. like on both sides of the ball. It's been really brutal. I don't really know what to say for the Jets other than I don't know how they were only favored by seven. You made a great call if this was the lock <laughs> of the week. They, it really wasn't even as close as 31 to yeah. uh, 13. Yeah, it was, uh, like we said, a pretty easy win for the 49ers. But uh, where they go moving forward in that division – it could be something like uh, I don't. We're not gonna over overreact just yet and say the 49ers are gonna be the worst team in this division, but uh, it's just it's not ideal because again, as we said, we've seen all these teams get better, which leads us to Dylan's betting lock of the week, which is the Cardinals uh, and Washington. Cardinals were seven point favorites in that one. That felt like another easy one. We both kind of said, you know, these felt like the two pretty clear cut ones, and sure enough, Cardinals went 30 to 15. Um, this is another one where I mean. You look at the Cardinals, man. I, I know they played this Washington team uh, who, by the way, remember, got a win against the Eagles in week one, which I don't know how great that's going to look here in a couple weeks if the Eagles don't get their act together. But, I mean, this Cardinals team with their offense, Kyler Murray, it's it's so interesting because we spent, I want to say that was back in June, July maybe, mm-hmm. we were talking about the MVP odds, and we saw Kyler Murray so far up that board, and we were like, man, this is uh, you know, seems pretty high, doesn't it, for Kyler Murray to be this high? on the uh, the betting odds for MVP, but, dude, he, he looks really good right now. And, again, I'm, I'm saying that, keeping in mind that they did play Washington this week, but they did play the 49ers at full strength the, the week before, mm-hmm. and he's looked really good. DeAndre Hopkins obviously has been a difference maker for them. Um, but, you know, their defense, too, is something that we said had to be better. And at least to this point, like, they've looked a lot better. And, and I mm-hmm. don't know exactly, you know, what that's going to look like, you know, eight weeks from now. But at the same time, this Cardinals team looks really good right now. Yeah, ninth in DVOA on defense for two weeks. Again, that stat becomes more, uh, you know, means a lot more as you have more data, more games in there. But still, not something I would have expected yeah. uh, leading off this year. Obviously, that takes into account the quality of your opponent. So it's not just that they played a – a porous Washington offense, which still ran the ball pretty well over the course of the day. But, yeah, Haskins has not looked fantastic. Definitely the story has to be the Cardinals offense and Kyler and Hopkins in particular. Kind of warned on the on the fantasy preview, uh, there were some people, uh, you know, if you listen to read certain fantasy outlooks on Hopkins, worried about his target share because of him going to a new team. And we kind of said we didn't think that was going to be the case. Like we, we kind of felt like he's still going to be a, a – 
clear-cut number one with the other receiving options they had. And sure enough, he just broke the record for most receptions <laughs> in the first two games with the new team. So I think we kind of nailed that one. I will say that, yeah, they've done some interesting stuff with having him a few times on opposite of they'll put three receivers on one side, Hopkins on the other, to kind of force one-on-one matchups. And just between Murray and him, the, the connection's already uh, blossoming. Uh, it's similar, almost <laughs> reminds you already of kind of what the kind of connection yep. and the kind of way that Watson and, and Hopkins played together. But we'll see how it goes over the course of the year with the defense. And, uh, you know, the running game still looked pretty good yesterday for Arizona. So, I mean, all things positive early for them. All the all the preseason hype that was around them, it seems warranted so far. And for Washington, yeah, well, uh, the, yeah, like you said, the comeback win in week one looked great. But both games have now fallen behind by nearly 20 points really early and uh, I don't know. I, I would just be encouraged by some of the things that did well in the second half, keeping it at least within, you know, not letting the Cardinals win by 20, 30. They had some, still some good performances on the defensive line. It's just, it's really hard to, to you know, with a guy like Kyler, who's getting seemingly more and more confident with his ability to run the ball, who you can get great pressure, you can get by the offensive line, but you're not really getting any great results. Like even the worst plays, Kyler's just throwing the ball away because he's so, you know, he's just so mobile. I don't know at this point. I think Washington may win the NFC East. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. We're going to get to the rest here in a second, but they, they may be one of your favorites right now. Uh, I'm kidding. I think, but I, I'm not. I'm not saying that completely to, to deny that that possibility because, ooh, NFC East not looking great right now. But uh, let's quickly get to uh, our upsets of the week, which uh, Dylan's pick was the um, picking the Raiders to beat the Saints. We'll see if that turns out. We'll talk about it on the next episode. But mine was the Vikings to beat the Colts. Colts were three-point favorites in this one. Wasn't even close. Uh, the Colts completely destroyed the Vikings here. The Vikings looked terrible. Um, they had 11 points, and eight of those came in the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh, boy. These Vikings, man. We were – you and I both, we were so set on the Vikings winning this division. And right now the Packers look miles and miles ahead of the Vikings and through two games at least. Yeah, I think at this point I'd feel pretty good about flipping that <laughs> if I was allowed to. But no, uh, you know, that's why you make them before the season. We don't know what we're going to get. I do think the Colts get a little bit of a pass down my mind based on what happened last week, given what we've seen from Jacksonville's offense of Dre Gruden's offense there through two weeks. Uh, and obviously last week the Colts still outgained the Jaguars by 200 yards. They double up the, the Vikings in this one. I just – they're, I, I think they're just superior on both sides of the ball against many of the teams they're facing. And in this game, it was still shocking to me that they dominated the Vikings that well and held, you know, uh, I think it was the stat that Stefan Diggs at the Bills have 40 more receiving yards than all the Vikings receivers in this game. I mean, it's just, I know there's games where Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, looks great and other games where he doesn't. But, I mean, that was one of the worst games I think we've seen from him uh, with the Vikings with a rating of 15.9. I mean, I don't always cite QB rating, but that's just staggeringly bad. Um, and on the flip side for the Colts, I mean, Philip Rivers still had the one mistake on his pick, but overall I thought he looked a little bit better, didn't force as many things. And, yeah, uh, not a huge uh, yards for uh, yards for rush average, but I thought Jonathan Taylor still looked pretty good and his uh, looks like a true number one. You saw some of the plays with the offense line. Did let some uh, pressure get through, and he was able to just drag guys for extra yards, which is what we talk about with yeah, expected – uh, yards per run. I mean, I think he's definitely living up to the billing so far. So for the Colts, yeah, definitely after a week one loss, we said not to overreact. But now for the Vikings, I think this is a team that, I mean, you have expectations of winning the division, at least being a playoff contender. So last year making the divisional round. Yeah, it's a, and I don't think anyone would be like super disappointed if they lost this game to the Colts. But this, just the way they lost has to be really uh, discouraging for Vikings fans. And um, I'm just, I'm just concerned with the offensive line look. Pretty pretty brutal, but just mo- also Kirk Cousins. I mean, and with the yeah, as we get to the Packers, um, uh, they don't they don't look like the out- offense or, and offensive philosophy from a year ago. It looks like a whole different thing happening in Green Bay. Next five games for the Vikings: Titans, Texans, Seahawks, Falcons, Packers. They could lose all five of those if you ask me. Um, <laughs> they probably won't, but I don't know, man. Like who, they, uh, they they will only be favored. I don't even know if they'll be favored in the Texans game because I think that's on the road, isn't it? So. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> they, have, they have the worst odds of any of the four teams, even lower than Detroit, to win that division now uh, per football outsiders, yeah. um, their projections, and only a 17% chance of even getting in the playoffs right now. They 
that loss uh, this week in particular, just really with some of the other things that, you know, Chicago manager win Green Bay and then all these other teams in the NFC. It's just you can't fall that far behind the NFC. There's too many good yeah. teams, and even with that extra playoff spot, it's going to be really hard. Well, on the back part of their schedule, they still got Cowboys, Bucks, Saints. So, I mean, it's just, and of course, like we said, I mean, you still got like the next five, and I don't know. Vikings are not not in a good spot uh, starting 0-2. That's not good for them, uh, given their schedule that they have here. But uh, let's talk about some good stuff, and we're going to talk about uh, Visa because uh, Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us, and they remember our orders. They call us by name. They're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. And let's talk to you about our friends over at Indeed, because uh, even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world, because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier with sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means you'll get more quality candidates faster. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, let's go to our quick picks. Uh, and as usual, we'll kind of run through these uh, pretty quickly. Uh, some of these games, we won't spend a lot of time on this one, Dylan, but uh, the Browns get the win against the Bengals. Um, great for my fantasy team with Joe Burrow. Great for the future outlook uh, of the Bengals because uh, I still think Joe Burrow is really good, and we've seen that through two games. Uh, I know he threw the ball 61 times in this one, but <laughs> I guess if you're the Browns, a win is a win at this point, and that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that we're that was probably the most exciting Bengals Browns game we've had in years. Yeah. So excited for more of these two franchises. Yeah, that have a lot of uh, bitter history. Uh, obviously, with John Brown, named, Cleveland Browns being named after going over and basically <laughs> making the colors of the Bengals, all that stuff. I feel like this rivalry has been not not really on the national scale, but yeah. as long as these two offenses look like this, at least they're going to have really fun games to watch. Speaking of that. Titans and Jacks. Titans 33, Jacks 30. These are two more teams. It seems like in the past we've seen kind of those ugly defensive-dominated games. Not the case mm-hmm. here. Titans get another win. And, uh, I mean, through two games, like we said, Titans didn't play great in Denver, but they got a win. And now, I mean, even the Jags have looked pretty good. And as we've said, through two games here, they beat the Colts. Uh, they had a chance to win this game. Um, but uh, Titans, off to a nice start here uh, in the 2020 season. You know, you'll take it for Tennessee, especially in a game where you're outgained by almost 150 yards against Jacksonville. Um, if you do follow a lot of NFL film Twitter, they'll tell you that the Jaguars aren't – this isn't just an aberration with what they've done the first two weeks. So it's, you know, Jay Gruden's done a great job designing this offense. They have some fun weapons. The offensive line, not really a great one, but it's it's played pretty dang well so far. So I think, yeah, for the Jaguars – uh, don't be surprised on, on this Thursday night if Minshew has another great game fantasy-wise. Maybe that's someone uh, when we get to our waiver wire pickups um, for Jacksonville. But, yeah, for the Titans, you just continue to find ways to win. Um, not their, again, not the most prettiest you know, the prettiest win, but in past seasons, these are the kind of games that sometimes you feel like the Titans would lose 
and it would be the reason to be nine and seven. Now they're winning them, so that has to be a good sign for Tennessee. Well, we got a break from the injuries for a few games, and we did. We were talking about we were so immersed in talking about how bad the Vikings were. If you got to mention the Malik Hooker now after the season of torn Achilles, yeah. Paris Campbell also injured uh, for the Colts offense. That's not ideal. Um, so we we did forget to mention that. But now, of course, we come to the Bucks and the Panthers. Bucks win 31-17. Uh, a good win for the Bucks here. Uh, they forced four turnovers in this game, mm-hmm. and uh, defense looked pretty good. But of course, the one thing everyone's talking about, and no, is not the fact that Leonard Fournette uh, went over 100 yards on the ground and got two touchdowns. Because if you're someone like me, had him on your fantasy team on the bench, not ideal. At the same time, if you're also a fantasy owner of one and only Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you are ready for this uh, waiver wire discussion we're going to have in just a bit because Christian McCaffrey out what seems like four to six weeks, um, hasn't missed any games in his career to this point, and uh, now it looks like he's going to, you know, be sidelined for a bit, at least a month. And Dylan, this is not good for this Panthers team. Now 0-2, we already knew this was going to be a rough year for the Panthers, but uh, boy, when you don't have Christian McCaffrey on the field, that completely changes the entire dynamic of the offense, completely changes how teams are going to prepare for them. And this Panthers team, it could be a long road ahead uh, with Christian McCaffrey on the sidelines. Yeah, even outside of the McCaffrey injury, even before that was announced earlier today on Football Outsiders, they were given a pretty big boost with the, the highest odds to get the number one pick just based on their yeah. schedule, the, their actual what they've put on the field so far. So, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, we I didn't think we thought about the Panthers being a team that could would be in the running to tank for Trevor Lawrence, but maybe it will play out that way because, yeah, with losing McCaffrey for that offense, I mean, this team was going to have to, we've seen the first two weeks, even the, the Buccaneers at times not looking still perfect with their passing game. They still ran the ball really easily against Carolina. Teams are going to be able to score a lot of points against Carolina, so they got to score a lot on the flip side, and it's just it's not going to happen without him in the field. They, yeah, it, you know, at certain points, Bridgewater looked pretty good. Uh, decent performances, uh, pretty good performances, really, by DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson by the end of the game. But, I mean, McCaffrey makes the whole thing run, and it's just it's hard to really imagine what we're going to see from Carolina after this. Yep, their uh, schedule, I'd say they need to be looking at games. Uh, actually, they'll play the Pan- or the Chargers, which I, I still don't think that's when they're going to be. They're not going to be favored to win that game. But um, mm-hmm. they've got games the rest of the season against teams like the Lions, Broncos and Washington. Those are three they really need to identify uh, because uh, they may need to pick up some wins there if they want to find some wins uh, this season. The rest of their schedule is pretty tough. All right, let's talk about uh, another game that injuries played a significant role in. The Broncos and the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers get the win 26-21. to This game was actually a lot closer um, you know, than I think people thought it was going to be given how things yeah. uh, unfolded early, which was Drew Locke. Uh, he is apparently dealing with a severe rotator cuff strain. It sounds like multiple weeks on him. Um, that one's still seemingly kind of up in the air in terms of exactly how long he could be out. Uh, but it does seem like that's going to be one that keeps him out multiple weeks. And then, of course, it also came out on Monday that uh, the Broncos uh, fear that Cortland Sutton tore his ACL. That is a significant loss to this offense. Yeah. Uh, we already know on their defense, I mean, they have been, I mean, you know, Von Miller, everything with this defense, they've been hit by injuries. And now your best playmaker on offense is out for the season uh, with, with Sutton. And this is just a, you have a very unproven group at wide receiver. You've still got an unproven quarterback who's out, you know, injured. Just not good for the Broncos. This was a team we thought could maybe make a big move this season, but uh, with these mm-hmm. injuries, I think you you immediately put the Broncos probably to me, and I don't want to get too excited over what we saw from the Chargers. We'll get to it in a minute, but uh, I yeah. think at this point you're probably putting the, the Broncos at the back of the pack uh, in the AFC West. I think the difference between them for sure for me is the Chargers defense really impressed, and we'll get to that, but the Broncos defense for the second straight week, I mean, they benefited a lot from Goskowski missed field goals a week ago. They they performed okay, but still, you know, right now they're pretty middle of the pack for a defense, which is not going to be acceptable with whether they are on offense, especially with those injuries. Obviously, Driscoll looked much better than we could have anticipated and made that. I mean, honestly, I for a second thought Denver was going to be able to come back and win. Obviously, they have a, the ball at the end before turning it over and down, the chance to actually come back and win that thing, which is pretty nuts. Um, I thought for the Steelers, the defense probably, I mean, they still are ranking uh, second overall in DVOA through two weeks, but 
Uh, you, against a guy like Driscoll, I feel like you'd expect them to play a bit better than that. Um, on offense, though, I you have to be happy with the, the real long uh, Claypool touchdown. James Conner comes back and looks really strong. So a couple encouraging things. And I think, yeah, the Steelers just finding another way to win again. And uh, I just think they have, if the offense can perform like this, uh, they're, I mean, they're, I wouldn't, again, I, I know I did pick them to win the division, but I wouldn't really put them on the level of uh, Baltimore and the Chiefs in the AFC, but I do think Pittsburgh has that, that, that defensive factor for them is going to be a big difference and a reason why uh, they're going to be a strong contender in the AFC here. If the Saints beat the Raiders, I am only going to get one game wrong on our yes. picks for this week, <laughs> uh, and Dylan would have two games wrong because he picked against his Los Angeles Rams <laughs> in the game against the Eagles, and uh, this was a one that the Rams, man, we, we talk about that win against the Cowboys. We thought they had some momentum, but they came out and took care of business here on the road. Uh, a very efficient performance uh, from Jared yep. Goff, uh, 20 of 27, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Tyler Higby had a big game. Um, and for the Eagles, they are, to, to me, that's another team. We talk about teams like the Vikings. Uh, the Eagles, to, to me, are right there when it comes to if they better get this thing figured out pretty quickly because the positive for the Eagles, I guess, is that they do play in this division, and the division is a complete mess. But at the same time, I mean, you're almost getting beat by three touchdowns at home against the Rams, and and that's not taking anything away from the Rams, but it's just these are games you have to find a way to win. If you're going to be a playoff team, we want to try to make a run to to an NFC title game or something. Eagles Mm -hmm. are nowhere near that point right now. After, as we saw in week one and now in this game in week two, uh, give credit to the Rams, uh, but this is definitely something that's pretty glaring for the Eagles right now in terms of these first two losses. Yeah, pretty ugly for them, and it were honestly they so they lose by 18, and it wasn't that close because of yeah. the Cooper Cup fumbled punt uh, that gives the Eagles an easy touchdown there at the end of the first half. Otherwise, they yeah they looked really bad, and their secondary looked awful. And I, I it's it is hard, and we'll, as the course of the season plays out, I think we'll learn a lot more about whether that's just the Rams being maybe not on that 2018 level. But hey, they went from 13th to third in uh, DVOA, a pretty big jump, 10 spots in just one week. Uh, based on their performance, the rush offense third in DVOA, which is not something uh, that we were used to last year. The offensive line looked great against Dallas Week 1, but it looked even better probably in this one. Um, uh, Daryl Henderson obviously getting a, a, a shot with a Cam Maker's injury, and while Malcolm Brown still figures to be a big part of that backfield, I think he has that extra burst to, to take a, a game from 15 yards to 40 yards as he did. Uh, obviously, the, the Rams, just the play calling, everything looked like uh, Sean McVay looked like he was firing all cylinders, using some lead now with uh, Tyler Higby that they usually use with receivers because of all the receiver blocking that they use in their scheme. But, man, it was – I watched basically this whole game. And, <laughs> it was, I mean, for someone that uh, supports the Rams, tries to be as unbiased as possible, it's hard not to get really excited from what I, I saw. Just the defense still had some concerns of the secondary. A nice interception there uh, when the Eagles had a chance to take the lead in the third quarter. But overall, still not getting maybe as much pressure. I, I thought that Micah Kaiser did, their middle linebacker. That is the one big thing that we're uh, look at as a possible weakness. Comes back from missing, I think, six or seven tackles in week one to having 16 tackles this week. Just looked insanely good. Jordan Fuller, the rookie six-rounder, again, played a ton of snaps. Got a really high PFF grade, the highest defender on the Rams in this game. So, uh, it's a really tough division, and I know we're talking about the Eagles being disappointing, and we'll see what the Rams do next week against the Bills and as the course of the year plays out. But, uh, I mean, I I feel pretty strongly, I feel okay about picking them to be at least a wild card team. I, I do think with their talent, and uh, we'll see about injuries, they're one of the few teams that so far has not really had any big-name players get hurt like we've seen so many others. But at this point, I, I do think that it's not just – um, you know, just, just the teams they've faced. I think it is they've figured out something at the end of last year in those last five weeks when they averaged over 30 points a game, and they've kind of picked up right where they left off. Yeah, pretty much. We we hate to call games must win in week three, but this week three is must win for the Eagles. They got the Bengals at home. After that, they're going to go to mm-hmm. San Francisco, play the 49ers, and they got to go to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, and then they've got the Ravens. So if they, don't brutal, beat the, if they don't beat the Bengals, they're going to be – Probably 0-6, if you ask me. Um, maybe 1-5. But, I, I mean, if you can't beat the Bengals at home, you're probably going to be 0-6 uh, looking at that schedule. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a must win. But uh, don't don't count out my man Joe Burrow from coming in there and 
lead the <laughs> Bengals to a victory. We'll see if we're, we're confident enough to pick that as an upset uh, next week. Uh, by the way, we did forget to mention Chase Claypool. Huge play for the Steelers. Uh, 84 yeah. yards. Big play. Uh, good for the Steelers' offense. Sorry, Eagles. I know that's that's a big rivalry. We had to go back and talk <laughs> about the Steelers for a second. But uh, there, there was more to talk about uh, with that one. All right, Bills and Dolphins. Uh, this was your uh, AFC special where you had no idea what you were going to have, what you are going to see here, and it was just one of those wild games uh, as usual. Bills win 31-28. was not as impressive as probably you wanted it to be if you wanted to say that the Bills are the best team in this division, which is why earlier I said I think it's pretty clear the Patriots probably that team now. But, uh, hey, the Bills are 2-0. and They've they've beaten uh, the two worst teams in this division, probably two of the worst teams in the AFC. Um, so I don't really know what to take away from this. Uh, offense looked good. I know Josh Allen's put up good numbers. He had four touchdowns in this mm-hmm. one, 417 yards through the air. Uh, but... This is another one where I know it's, you know, we're probably going to talk about this with the Bears in a minute, but, and they're, they're different teams. Like we had different expectations for them, but mm-hmm. I'm just chalking this up right now to saying, I know they're 2 0, but I still don't really know what we're going to get from the Bills moving forward. Yeah, I think they're going to have a pretty big test next week uh, with the Rams and the, just given how hot they are with their offense. Because, yeah, how much do you learn against the Dolphins here? Uh, I, I do know that, again, DVOA takes into account the, the quality of your opponent, and they jumped this week from 17th in offensive DVOA all the way to 8th, 3rd in passing DVOA. And, I, you know, that is one thing that sometimes you'll take away good performances based on the opponent, but that doesn't take away if you watch a game and see some of the, the throws that Josh Allen was making with the coverage that was present on those throws. Yeah. I don't know. He looked pretty good <laughs> uh, throwing the ball pretty accurately deep down the field. Him and Diggs definitely have a connection. We said before the year that we felt like he would fit perfectly into uh, Josh Allen's skill set, who's a guy that when he does, th- when he lets it roll, like, you know, you know, when he's able to let it fly, he's usually more accurate than when he's trying to kind of throw the little intermittent uh, passes and, uh, really, the offense, yeah, they've, they've looked pretty impressive, and I feel like if you're a Bills fan, you do feel good about that because you feel like your defense is going to play better than this as the course of the year goes on. And if the offense can be a top-10 unit, then it becomes a pretty scary situation for other teams in the AFC. Yep, that's for sure. And uh, NFC teams, pretty scary uh, situations when they have to play the Packers <laughs> right now because uh, Packers beat the Lions 42-21. Uh, Lions throwing two, but uh, they still don't look bad. Um, and uh, the Packers, though, they look really good. And I think that's the only way you can put it. And remember, they did this with Devontae Adams uh, going out with an injury, too. And uh, they still win this game by three touchdowns. Aaron Jones, a massive game. Uh, he just put up a ton of yards, both uh, on the ground, through the air. Aaron Rodgers looks like an MVP at this point. Uh, I'm not sure why we ever doubted him, but uh, Packers look really good in this <laughs> one. And, uh, I mean, there's not much more to say. We kind of brought it up earlier with the Vikings, but uh, Packers look great right now. Yeah, there weren't many games last year where the Packers would put up this many points when Devontae Adams only has three catches for 36 yards yeah. and only targeted three times. Uh, that's the scary thing. I, I feel like they definitely are more aggressive on early downs than last year. Uh, just overall, it does not look like the same plays. They don't look like the conservative team that you're like, just let you know Rodgers throw sometimes and if you throw down deep down the field. They're actually doing that uh, last week, especially this week. Even with the average uh, target being lower, you can still see how dangerous they are. Aaron Jones, it, it still makes things puzzling like the – for me, some of the, you know, they use the second round pick on A.J. Dillon. Maybe he'll become a big weapon for them. But, man, it's just like, it's just the same way where we're talking about them not getting another receiver. You have Aaron Jones. You have this offensive line. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have Devontae Adams. Like, you're, you're drafting some of these draft picks were seemingly for the future when look how good the situation is right now. Um, the defense still, I mean, they played okay, but that's still the one concern with the Packers that we kind of talked about last year. They started really strong defensively as the course of the year went on. Uh, they really struggled. They're 25th in DVOA through two weeks. We'll see if that balances out. But, um, yeah, you're still not going to lose many games when your offense looks this good. And uh, as long as everyone stays, you know, generally healthy, I know Adams has an injury there, but, but hopefully not as serious as many of the other ones we've seen. And, uh, yeah, the Packers right now have to be, I feel like, the favorite in the NFC North. They just easily have looked the best of any of the four teams. No offense to the Bears as we talk about them in a second here. Yeah, Packers look like a team that can not only win the division, they could also win the NFC and get back a lot further than maybe we thought they would. This season, and maybe that's because this team, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, has gotten off to a shaky start. But, uh, of course, it could have been worse because uh, the Cowboys could be sitting here and instead be the Atlanta Falcons because the Cowboys win this game 40-39, a monumental comeback of uh, epic proportions here, which probably would have only came against the Falcons. Anyone else uh, would not have had a chance to win this game. 
But uh, it was the Falcons, and holy cow, the Falcons at one point in this game had a 99.9% win probability late in, I think it was late in the fourth quarter when they had the 39-30 lead, I want to say, or even the, the not even the 39-24, yeah. but they were up 39-30, and that was with, what, 4.57 to go. So even at that point, Cowboys still had to find a way to score twice and win, and sure enough, that's exactly what they did. So I don't even know what you say. Again, up until four minutes and 57 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, the Falcons had a 39-24 to lead, and somehow they lost this game, not in overtime, in regulation they lost this game. And for me, this pretty much is just, if you're the Falcons, like, I don't know how you come back from this and turn this into a, a successful season. I know it's only the second game of the year, but... When you lose a game like this after leading 20 to nothing in the first quarter, we just said it, leading by two touchdowns, 15 points, with five minutes to go, basically, and you lose, oh, brutal. But on the flip side, for the Cowboys, had they lost this game, I think we would have been having some pretty serious discussions about the Cowboys. But the fact that they won it, this can be one for them that could potentially, you know, maybe catapult them forward, knowing that, again, they're playing in a bad division, but – this next challenge is going to be a lot tougher when they go and, and play the Seahawks uh, on Sunday. Yeah, at least externally the noise around the Cowboys would have been just yeah. so palpable, even if they just barely lost by two. Whereas I, I do wonder, after they did make that comeback, how they would feel in the locker room, feeling you know coming from so many points behind, almost outgaining the, the Falcons by 200 yards. I feel like they'd probably feel at least some sort of positive, like something. Like the, the Falcons, they got all those fumbles and – they, they did build up a lead, but there, there's the drop touchdown that you just don't see from Julio. There's other drives where they ended up punting where they were already in good field position where they could have – I mean, they scored 39 points. They could have had 50-something. Um, and I, I know that just based on where they started with the ball, and their offense still looks great, but they're secondary, man. I mean, uh, cheers to you if you have anyone facing them on, on fantasy at uh, any of the, the weapons in the passing game because, man, they're they're just really brutal. And I, I feel like as the course of the year goes on, they're going to be going to be really difficult for them to watch. Uh, but yeah, for the Cowboys, obviously, I mean, like you said, you you fight back, and that's the thing. I just there were still plays by some of their star players, like every star one, like obviously the Amari Cooper one-handed catch. But I feel like uh, C.D. Lamb stepped, like everyone stepped up in certain moments to make that comeback possible. Obviously, it's all for naught if the Falcons just jump on a on an onside kick, which is one of the most bizarre things. Uh, like I get that you don't want to act like just barely touch it. Maybe the, the Cowboys get it, something like that, but. At the same time, what are you going to do? Just let them just jump on it. It was really brutal to watch. Um, and there's the two stats I know that what uh, one of them, the, the first team to have a uh, be, score 39 points without turning the ball over in the modern era to, to lose. Um, uh, and then the other one, and as you mentioned, about the, the, the biggest comeback or biggest blown lead since their Super Bowl blown lead. So, man. I don't know where you go for the Falcons, for the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, like it does propel them. I still have concerns with their defense, but at the same time, I, I just I'm more I'm more convinced that even if Dallas had lost, they would turn this turn it around. Like they started 0-2, and I know the external noise would have been so insane. I still would have felt okay about them, especially in their division, still figuring it out. Whereas the Falcons, it's like now, like where, where do you even go? It's just <laughs> mentally like. And obviously the run game still wasn't strong. There's only so many times Matt Ryan can throw the ball. I say that as he probably is going to average like 30 to 40 attempts a game. Calvin Ridley looks great. Hurst looks great. Russell Gage looks pretty strong. It's just, it's like their secondary is just so bad, and they just keep losing games like this, man. Well, I'll tell you where the Falcons go from here. That's back to Atlanta to play host to the 2-0 and Chicago Bears. Mm. And let me tell you, ugly. if the Falcons <laughs> don't win that game, they're done. I'm sorry, but uh, the the Bears are two and zero. Of course, so, well, here we go. Injury again. Saquon Barkley's out for the year. He's got a torn ACL. The Giants are. I mean, they're done. Like that. I mean, there's. I don't know what else to say. Like we just have to be honest at this point because not having him on the field that's really going to hurt. You know, you and I were talking about Deion Lewis as someone, which we may bring him up in the fantasy waiver wire in a minute. But like, I don't know where the, the Giants are going to go from here in terms of you know they're already a team that's not very good. You lose your best player. And I just, I don't know. And we kind of saw it in this one. And, and look, the Bears, look, if they beat the Falcons, <laughs> if they go on the road and beat the Falcons, they're going to come back home on October the 4th and play host to the Colts, which the Bears could very well win that game as well. Like, the Bears could be 4-0 here. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I mean, this was one of those games where it's just kind of Barkley tears his ACL. 
not good for the Giants, uh, but I guess give the Bears credit for winning. It wasn't pretty. Um, you know, they were up 17 nothing halftime. They didn't score again in the second half, and the Giants scored 13 points and almost had a chance to win the game. I don't know. I think the less said about this game, the better. Yeah, the, I'll just quickly say on the, on the Bears' point, as you know, as much as I don't want to give them credit for two really close wins, I should have probably lost to the Lions based on the swift <laughs> A, a drop and then this game but the Giants have a chance to win pretty even actually by the end of it statistically despite Barkley being out as much as I don't want to give them credit they based on football outsiders football uh, playoff projections would say they run their report 30,000 times and they, they have the mean wins based on you know all the strength of schedule all these different stats and right now they have a 55% chance to make wow. the playoffs which is 0.2 higher than Tampa Bay um, according to their model of just getting into the postseason, and I mean, starting out two zero, it just it makes even if you're even if they're really ugly wins against bad teams, it still puts yeah. you in a spot where you know you find ways to win. Weird things happen. Uh, you already got the, the luck on your side in terms of winning one score games going your way with both of these. So man, I I don't know. <laughs> I, that's going to be a weird one to pick next week against the Falcons because I just have zero confidence still in Chicago, but. Hey, against that Falcons secondary, we talked about Trubisky playing really well against these secondaries. Maybe he'll yeah. have a, a good game. So, I don't know. So, and yeah, for the Giants, it's, it's just it sucks in terms of obviously we didn't think they were a playoff team, but at least we thought this offense could be fun to watch. And I mean, losing Saquon, it's just as much as you still think they could be kind of fun to watch with uh, with their passing game with what Daniel Jones can do. It's it's just such a brutal hit. Yeah, like you said, Bears got Falcons, Colts next. They still got games against the Panthers, uh, the Lions, and the Jags. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, they've got two games against the Vikings. So uh, that may wind up being <laughs> something that uh, everyone's kind of looking forward to if the Vikings keep playing like this. So uh, we'll see uh, what happens there. But, yes, the Bears are 2-0. and The Chiefs, uh, this was a really good game, actually. Uh, yeah. Like, like having these kind of games in the late window when there's not as many going on. Chiefs win 23-20. to um, you know, injury news here. Tyrod Taylor was a, a late scratch in this one, uh, chest injury, and that, of course, led to Justin Herbert making his NFL debut, and he actually looked really, really good, and hmm. that led to a lot of Chargers fans getting very upset on social media after the game because <laughs> uh, when Anthony Lynn came out and basically said Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback, uh, Chargers fans were not having that at all. Uh, because, again, Herbert, he looked really good. I mean, he did. You give him credit. A guy who, again, didn't know he was going to start until probably a few minutes before the game started. Um, and he comes in and plays the defending Super Bowl champs and almost has a chance uh, to lead his team mm -hmm. to victory. But uh, Harrison Butker, a noted kicker for uh, the Dylan Reagan fantasy team, <laughs> uh, hits a 58-yard field goal. And uh, the Chiefs win. This is what you expect from a good team. They didn't play their best, but uh, they find a way to win. And I also think you have to give the Chargers credit because uh, their defense actually played pretty well there. Yeah, that's the thing from, like, as much as I want to take away that the Chiefs come out and win, it's not like, I mean, the, the Chargers kept them out of the end zone on that last drive, and even on that, that final drive in overtime where they get the field goal, they, they held their own. They played really well. So for me, it may, I just I can't stop thinking about how good that secondary, which is uh, right now top 10 in pass defense DVOA, I can't not think about how good they'd be with Derwin James because uh, they've looked really good without him. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Herbert looked good. Uh, like you said, I don't blame Charger fans for being frustrated by the idea of him not playing. I, you know, not that Tyrod doesn't deserve it, but I just I feel like uh, you could probably eventually see Herbert struggle, and then maybe you pull him out and use that as a learning thing. But at this point, man, he looked. I know that uh, for them to do it on the fly, to not know he's going to play until right before the coin toss or after the coin toss, whatever it was, yep. I, I thought they did a good job to to their credit for all the criticisms of not going for it on fourth down and overtime for not, you know, they get inside the five there with the tie game. Uh, and they end up picking a field goal to take the lead briefly, but uh, and their lack of aggressiveness there. I get the, the criticism on that, but I do think you have to give them credit for kind of simplifying the play calls. And uh, even though Herbert did make some really fantastic throws, the one touchdown throw in particular comes to mind, just a frozen rope right in the money through. I don't think the Chiefs secondary thought he was going to even try to make that pass, but um, overall, they, they for the most part did simplify things for him pretty well. So as well as he played, I think you have to give some credit to the Chargers for how uh, and the coaching staff for how they put him in a place to succeed. So I think yeah, things to build on for the Chargers, the Chiefs. I mean, it just makes it more un more unlikely that anyone catches the Chiefs. Not that we thought they would in this division anyway, but it almost at this point we'll see what the Raiders do tonight. Um, by the time anyone listens to this, that game will be over. But at this point, the Chargers have to be 
uh, at least in consideration as the second best team in this division, if not clearly the second best team. Yeah, no, they looked uh, they looked pretty good, and this was like we said, it was one of the better games uh, through two weeks uh, for sure. A really fun game there between those, and just for the Chargers, we'll see if they can keep the momentum rolling. We'll see what the quarterback situation looks like there for them. And then uh, we wrap up with the Ravens and the Texans, another uh, methodical destruction type of win for the <laughs> Ravens, thirty-three to sixteen. Uh, they get the win in Houston, and uh, just—I mean, it's the Ravens, man. They're just—they're just good, and uh, I think they know they're good. And this was a Texans team that, you know, I think this is one of those things where we kind of saw, you know, without—or at least we've seen it through two weeks thus far. And we, we have to keep in mind too—I mean, there's no one that's played a tougher schedule through two weeks than the Texans. Uh, they open with the Chiefs, and then they have to play the Ravens. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty clear this Texans offense just isn't what it was without the DeAndre Hopkins. And I I don't really know what to expect from them this season. You know, as we said, the defense is not where it used to be either. Uh, so mm-hmm. chalk this up as the Ravens are great and uh, a just a, a really, really solid team on both sides. Yeah, the, the mystique the Ravens have built up for Bill O'Brien in the 3-0 game to go for uh, fourth and one at his own 34. I get I get Sean McVay gets credit for the fourth down that the Rams went for earlier, but uh, in their third quarter of their game, much different situation than that 3-0 game where your defense looked okay on the first couple drives. There's a, a three and out and then a field goal by Baltimore. And this, I mean, that, that kind of set the tone it, immediately from there. Baltimore kind of uh, made this game a non-contest. I think even though their their running game hasn't really gotten going like we saw last year, but I, I think the passing game is more scary than uh, we anticipated. I, I still thought they're uh, you know Lamar's probably going to improve from a year ago, and he appears he has. And as they continue to run the ball and get that going more, I I do think they're they yeah the, the Ravens are just a well-oiled machine. The defense looks really strong, which is a scary thing uh, for you know they were good last year, but I think they look even better so far. So uh, how much is that because of Houston? I mean we we told we told you guys that Houston wasn't going <laughs> to probably win this division again. And yeah. as much as we love Deshaun Watson, it's just. Their defense is bad, and right now it's, you know, without DeAndre Hopkins, it's like, what is Deshaun doing back there, man? Uh, the one positive, J.J. Watt looked really good, but, you know, otherwise, crap, man. They, they just don't have the depth, and it's going to be – I know that's two two games to start the year against the Chiefs and Ravens, so we'll see how they respond, but they just uh, – not an encouraging, uh, you know, effort there from Houston. No, not at all, and uh, so there you go. There's a look at uh, the game's – from Sunday, and I'm looking back at, at the Thursday game, but uh, now we jump into and we wrap up this episode with uh, maybe the most important waiver wire uh, discussion we've <laughs> ever had on this podcast based on all the injuries uh, from this past week. Uh, so let's talk about some of these players, Dylan. I'm actually going to start with quarterbacks. We'll just go through quarterback, mm-hmm. running back, receiver, and just kind of go that that direction. But I mean, look, if you were starting Jimmy Garoppolo um, or Drew Locke, uh, I don't know what to tell you in the first place because they probably weren't, you know, I don't know if they're producing at a high level. But let me just tell you, my man Joe Burrow is still out there in 40, or let's see, he's only rostered in ESPN, 45% of leagues. What are you doing? Get this guy. He plays the Eagles this week. I mean, come on, right? Um, You should should (laughs) love that matchup. So he's still out there, and, and again, you're probably not needing as much on the quarterback front as you are these other two we're about to talk yeah. about. But Joe Burrow's still out there. Even Jared Goff at this point, only owned in 37.2% of leagues. Rams are rolling. Um, and look, man, Gardner Benchu, what can you say? I mean, he's he's only 19.5%. We had him on the waiver wire list last week. Uh, he's an option uh, if you need him. So uh, those three, I think in particular, uh, are three to definitely uh, keep an eye on uh, at the quarterback position. But now let's talk about the others, because this is where you're probably going to need the most help uh, here moving mm-hmm. forward uh, based on uh, what we're looking at, Dylan. And I think the discussion's probably going to look at guys like Daryl Henderson, um, who, again, had a, a very productive game against the Eagles. Uh, if you look elsewhere, Josh Kelly's still someone we had on the list last week. He's still available. Uh, you know, I think he scored 12.3 points uh, this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's just, in, you know, just, I mean, that's that's fine, right? You'll take that. It's better than zero. Uh, if you lost someone like Barkley or McCaffrey, something like that. Um, beyond that, I think Jarrett McKinnon's one of the most interesting ones for me because, as we said, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, both seemingly – are going to be out for this next game against the Giants. And I think that that looks for me and Chairman McKinnon says, this guy could have a lot of carries. He could have a lot of yards. And so I would put him pretty high on my board this week too. 
Yeah, I think McKinnon might be my number one. I, I know the Dolphins ran the ball okay or against Buffalo, but it's hard with Henderson. You're still not sure yeah. about, about Cam Hakers. It didn't seem like too serious an injury. He was questionable for a lot of the, the game to come back. So that's the only concern with him. I think, yeah, Joshua Kelly, we said he impressed last week. And sure enough, I mean, he looked great again. Uh, but in terms of fantasy options, they're not like the most appealing. So it's kind of tough to yeah. know right now because we're not in like a spot where it's like it's kind of early like, to, yeah. to like know exactly what we're going to see from some of these replacement guys. It's just really tough. So I I don't know. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, I think, again, like you said, I think that's probably the, the number one one for me if, uh, out of these guys that are under 50%. There's uh, some borderline guys that in some weeks uh, that are more shallow that you might be able to get. Um, but I think, yeah, Jarek McKinnon for me has to be the top uh, option at this point. Yeah, I can't recommend Deion Lewis at this point with the Giants. No. Like, I just I can't do it. Um, <laughs> I got nothing against him, but I just the, the Giants stock is not very high at this They're point. They're offensive line. Yeah. After losing to Saquon, it's, uh, there's stock's not very high so uh, there's your running back options which again not a ton not going to be anyone that replaces Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey uh, so just know that going in but I think Jared McKinnon probably the best option based on the matchup and knowing that the 49ers are probably going to run the ball a lot too uh, wide receivers uh, as we said we you know Michael Thomas we don't know um, we don't know about Devontae Adams which those two could be matching up against each other if they both play in week three, um, you know, so certainly there's, I mean, Cortland Sutton, we said it. There's just a lot of different guys <laughs> that you may be looking to replace. Believe it or not, Corey Davis with the Titans is actually, yeah. you know, I think he's an option to look at. He's only owned in 35% of leagues. Um, I I mean, look, the Titans, as we said, Ryan Tano, we didn't mention him the quarterbacks, but even he's someone that, that has gotten off to a good start. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be against adding him if you absolutely need him as a, as a bench guy. Um, so you look at Corey Davis, Russell Gage for a second week in a row. He puts up some numbers, and I think at this point, Dylan, knowing how bad the Falcons are on defense, I'm taking anybody I can get on this Falcons offense because they are going to have to throw the ball a lot. Um, and I I guess at this point I'm going to be all in on Russell Gage because um, he's – I mean, they've, they've got to throw the ball, and it's clear at this point mm-hmm. they're going to have to throw the ball. So I'd probably look at him and, and say he's worth an ad if you're in a situation where you lost one of those top guys. Elsewhere, um, you know, LaVisca Chenault's still out there. I just – I yeah. don't know. Like, I don't know that he's going to put up – because DJ Chark's there. We know – I don't know that he's one that I'm going to have at the very top of my list or anything, uh, but he's probably another guy I would take a look at. Uh, beyond that, I think everyone else is just kind of those that group of guys that maybe they hit big, maybe they don't. Uh, but uh, those those three kind of stand out for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, the only other one, maybe, but again, the Jaguars now, we're talking about this offensive juggernaut, so there's too many weapons for Gardner Minshew to choose from. But the other one, I'm maybe throwing Keelan Cole. He got it, uh, yeah. a pretty performance, but also a decent target share. So that's what I, I try to look at. I, it's hard for me to say Chase Claypool is going to start, uh, always have a, a really long pass like that. Yeah. So I do think, yeah, you, you nailed it with the first couple with Corey Davis, really uh, uh, just a week to week so far, just. He's getting targeted a lot more than a year ago and looks really strong doing so. So him and then Gage, those two are the guys I'm looking at. If I'm trying to get the first pickups from these ones that are under 50% owned in uh, ESPN leagues, I think Gage, yeah, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton, but also just Calvin Ridley it keeps emerging as such a, a huge weapon. So now you have two really – I mean, I think Calvin's looking like a number one receiver. So you have two number one receivers there to account for. That's just going to open up a lot of opportunities for Gage. They're going to be throwing the ball. So, yeah, those are the two guys I'm, I'm definitely keeping my eye on them the most. Uh, like you said, Chenault looks good, but – uh, I just there's too, too many weapons there. Too many weapons in Jacksonville. Who thought we were <laughs> too many that? weapons in Jacksonville? How about that? Uh, Nikhil Harry, I guess another guy you can throw on that list too if you need him. Uh, all right, let's wrap up quickly with tight ends. Mike Gesicki, the the man yes. of the hour here. How about this guy? Forty seven percent of leagues he's owned in, so he's out there if you need him. Johnu Smith, Mike Gesicki, Johnu Smith. Uh, those are your tight ends to target. How about that? Yeah, that and the only other one, if George Kittle still hurt, Jordan Reed. Yeah. I mean, they, just overall, the amount of receiving options they have in San Francisco, like, what, five guys injured? It's uh, just wide receiver, not even tight end. So, man, I think, yeah, Reed's the, another one. John U, definitely uh, similar uh, with the Titans throwing the ball a lot more and looking really good. I think Gusecki, though, uh, he might be the, the most intriguing. Uh, we've kind of talked about him before the year just as a, a sneaky option with how low his ADP was. And sure enough, yeah, really big week two performance there. Mike Gusecki, uh, he is uh, the guy you need this week. Uh, and, again, if you're a fantasy player, you might need a lot to pick up. But uh, don't don't go too crazy. But 
I understand if you're someone that lost a player for the year, something like that, so you definitely got to make some moves. So there are your options with that. But, uh, Dylan, for everything else, uh, we've got lots of coverage on all these injuries and everything else going on uh, over at Clutch Points. You can follow the NFL games, uh, the remaining NBA games uh, with the conference finals, and then all MLB action in the Clutch Points app. You can read all of our NFL content in the NFL section of the Clutch Points app as well as on clutchpoints.com. And you, know, you just click NFL there at the top. You can also search fantasy football for all of our fantasy content and outside of our usual uh, waiver wire pickups article. Yeah, with all the injuries, we're going to have articles for uh, multiple positions. We'll also have our start and sit articles, uh, all that good stuff. You can just look up in the fantasy football section there at Clutch Points. Yep, check all that out and subscribe to the podcast. As we always say, any podcast app you use, you can find us there. And uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Past podcast. And let us tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. The wait is over, football's back, and while you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Because Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.